Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. What's up, everybody? It is the post-UFC 209 edition of the Fightful MMA podcast. You can follow us online at Fightful MMA on all our social media, as well as FightfulMMA.com. Yours truly, at Showdown Joe, and of course, managing editor for Fightful, Sean Ross Sapp. Follow him online, at Sean Ross Sapp, uh, who right now is not a happy camper. And I don't think many people out there, Sean, are happy campers as to what just happened in that main event. We went from losing an incredible co-main event to getting a fantastic replacement as a co-main event, and then we get a main event. That I'm still waiting for round six technically to begin. I guess you could say at 24 minutes and 30 seconds of the fight, we got some action. I don't know what you're talking about. Personally, I think that everybody who's complaining about this fight is a racist. Touche. Touche. Racism. Everywhere. That's the only reason anybody couldn't like this fight. It was a barn burner. It put the first one to shame. It should win fight of the night. Uh, Woodley should have won performance of the night had he won. The judging was perfect. Everything was great about this fight. And yeah, I loved it. Everything was beautiful. We now leave the sarcasm portion of the Fightful MMA podcast, and we now bring you back to our regular programming. Sean Ross Sapp, what did you think of that main event? You you really think that you won't be accused of being a racist for not liking that fight? Because you will be. (laughs) I'm serious. You will be. Uh, anyone that would accuse me of being a racist, um, here's, here's be more than happy thing. to let me know. Let's start a pool. Which happens quicker? Tyron Woodley accuses somebody of being racist, or Mark Hunt accuses Alistair Overeem of being on steroids right now. Which happens sooner? I'm going to go with B. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about all that. What my summation of this fight, because... To be honest, it's so funny, Joe. There isn't a whole lot to break down about the last two fights, but for categorically different reasons, like from an analytical standpoint and a technical standpoint. Like, one, because the action was so great and so fast and so furious and just cautioned to the wind. And the other one, it was so overly cautious and ridiculous. Whew. Boy, uh, they need to remake that movie about the Andes Mountain... uh, plane crash and all the survivors and just like reboot it and make it about all of us who survived watching this fight alive. It's a great movie. I like I it. I thought alive. I was, yeah, I thought I was going to have to eat some people that were here watching it with me. I thought I was going to, I was going to have to resort to that. It, it, I just go back to my analysis of breaking down this fight and speaking to anyone and everyone uh, along the way, talking about this boat. And I said to myself, you know, both guys have stated succinctly that they're bringing new things to the table, new things to the octagon. Uh, and my answer was fantastic. Looking forward to seeing it all. But once you get tired, you will go back to what you know. These guys didn't get tired in this fight. No, they didn't. And I thought it was so funny because I feel like it was Dominic Cruz that said when he broke down this fight that they kind of did this in the first round of the first fight because they knew they were going to go at it for the the, the final four rounds. They knew – this fight started off 
like almost like a mirror image of the last fight. We had uh, we had Wonder Boy keeping the distance, trying to trying to do that, and it looked like they were conserving energy. They never expended that energy. And here's the funny thing: if you were to say who won the fight as a whole, well, I'd probably say if we're not using the ten point must system. Probably Tyron Woodley because it took him 24 minutes, but he finally knocked Wonder Boy down and put a little bit of hurting on him. If we're going 10 point must system, I'm saying Wonder Boy won, and I don't see how Tyron Woodley could have gotten three rounds. Uh, I, you know, if I hear Tyron Woodley bitching and complaining that the UFC is the reason that he's not a big star now. Elias Theodore said it best: the strike force Tyron Woodley that we thought we got rid of has just come back. Yeah, good point. And do you want to laugh based on the um, ten point must system? Scored the fight a draw. Yeah. I scored the fight yeah, a draw sure. because you give rounds one and two. You can give rounds one and two to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. You can give round three uh, to Tyron Woodley. You can then give round four back to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, and then. You can give a 10-8 round to Tyron Woodley, effectively making the scorecards 47-47. Completely understandable. Completely understandable. So now I wonder, I hate to get ahead of myself here, but I get the feeling that Tyron Woodley ain't that hurt coming out of this fight. Who's next? Should Damian Maya have taken that other fight? Because... If you know, you know what the real solution to this is? Cancel welterweight. Cancel it. Get rid of it. Make 165 and 175 divisions after all the stuff we've seen lately. That's something that we'll probably get into because the co-main event slot that was supposed to happen next uh, didn't happen, but I guess that can kind of help segue into it. You look up and down, Masvidal, Cerrone, Nate Diaz. <clears throat> Nick Diaz. Khabib. Nick Diaz. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nurmagomedov and Ferguson. I'm sure Conor McGregor would love to have a go. Rafael Dos Anjos. You want to talk about filling up a 165 division? You can do it. You have 100 fighters at welterweight, 100 fighters at lightweight. You mean to tell me that you you just make it? It's, it's not like a, a featherweight division. If you build it, they will come. They are here. You just need to give it to them. They're already there. Man. Man. Everything after, everything that had main event attached to it for this card two days ago, disaster. Disaster. It was a disaster the moment we all got word that Nurmagomedov was no longer competing on the card because of the, the weight management issue. And I think Dominic Cruz made a great point at the top of the actual show. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's very unfortunate. Have it, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 let's not kid ourselves. It's very unfortunate. Um, the, the way it went down, uh, it, it's disturbing. Uh, and I had conversations with some of the guests on the podcast off the record, um, co-hosts throughout the week. Uh, and they said it's, it's unprofessional, uncalled for, uh, they've all made weight. They suffered. Uh, one of the guests told me how he went into shock after he once made mm-hmm. weight. He made the weight, but he wasn't able to to consume uh, any sort of food, solids, or anything like that. He was vomiting. Had to go to the hospital. He got um, uh, um, what's it called there? I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, saline solution in the needle. Uh, yeah. Got better. Fought the next day. 
but you have to make way. You have to make way. Like I don't, I don't understand. You know, I, I shouldn't say I don't understand because I legitimately don't understand. I've never had to cut weight, so I, I, I it's, it's a challenge for me. We're looking at these guys as professionals, uh, especially such a stud like like Khabib Nurmagomedov. You like this is the the opportunity that you've been, you know, you you want a real title fight, yes, but this is it, man. This would have been the one that got Conor McGregor out. Like this is the one that says I am the champ, and you know it didn't happen. Really feel really bad for Tony Ferguson, and then this happens tonight. So we lose this co-main event, which everyone was really calling the main event. I mean, everyone that I spoke to said, you know, Nurmagomedov for Ferguson was the real main event, uh, and they could basically care less about Woodley and Thompson. But then we got I, to the I, main have, event. I have looked forward to no fight, like you know, below an actual championship. I have looked forward to no fight in my life more than this fight. Yeah. No, this was one of my two fights for 2017. I said Habib Nurmagomedov versus Tony Ferguson, and I said I'm really dying to see Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw. So those are my two fights. One of them just got destroyed, you know. So it's it's not happening. But you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen now with Habib Nurmagomedov. Are they going to do this rematch? Or rematch? Are they actually going to put this fight on? Like, I mean, it is the fight. It's one A versus one B, right? So I, I don't know if what the UFC is going to do about this, but. It's a disaster, man. It's I mean, and you know Conor McGregor is just going to run with this forever, forever. Good. He's going to say, wow, would I fight this guy? This guy can't even make weight. He's not even going to make the main event. He's not even going to make the pay-per-view. Forget about it. I want to fight someone that's actually going to make weight. He's going to run with it. I don't know how well Khabib will be in a month, but UFC 210 needs one more fight. It needs one more big fight. I don't know if he could do that. I don't know if they'd be willing to put their bodies through that. But this wasn't the only thing. I mean, Mike Biggie Rhodes took a fight against Kendall Grove and tried to cut like 30 pounds in a week or less than a week and couldn't make it as well. So, I mean, this it's – I mean, I've seen situations where where fighters of mine that we didn't have as close of an eye on as we should cut too much weight. They, they just had a weight loss. They got in the cage against somebody they should have murked. They get hit once. They don't have any CSF fluid in their head to protect Zero. the cushioning of yep. their brain. None. We had a guy that had like three seizures back-to-back after that. We go out. The promoter says, well, how much weight did he cut? We're like, well, he didn't cut weight. And he goes, well, I just lost a lot of weight over the last seven months. We tell them the amount. The promoter says, why didn't you tell us that? There's no way we'd let him fight. That's some of the mistakes that, that people make in weight cutting. Not at that level. But we don't know what his situation is yet. We don't know what happened. Uh, we have no clue what happened. And Dana White saying this stuff like, had they got a hold of our doctors, maybe this would have been saved. I don't know. I know that Ian McCall got an exemption for his IV bags. But if he gets IV bags, he's not making weight. True. Very like true. Yeah. So the fight wouldn't be saved. Either you're, getting a USADA, you're pulling out of the fight, it's a USADA violation, or you're going to miss weight. It's one or the other. I feel bad for Tony Ferguson. I thought he handled it like, like a true professional, especially given all the stuff that was said between the two in the buildup. Uh, very, very classy of him. And this is the fight to make. Like This fight just has to happen. And it seems like it's cursed, but it has to happen. I want this fight so bad. I feel like a spoiled child. And I hope that Khabib is okay, but... Man, I want to see this fight. I felt like Veruca Salt in Willy Wonka, like just crying <laughs> in my purple dress. I want it now. Get him in there. I don't care if 
if he's shoveling Cheerios into his face trying to gain nutrition. I want to see them fight. I got to see that fight. But that compounded with, I feel very bad because up until that main event, this card was awesome. Even the stuff that was bad was at least comically bad. Like <laughs> it was, it was bad to a humorous level, but um, man, it's, 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 it's a bummer. Well, it's not a bummer. It was that belt that was actually slid back into that Coleman event because David Tamor and Lando Venata put on an absolute freaking show. I mean, that, that was just incredible what those two guys did. And it's it's a scorecard. Uh, three judges scored 30-27, understandably so. It could have went, you know, either. No, I wouldn't say it could have went either way because Tamor was the winner. I think I, I, I did give it to Tamor, but... That was a fight, man. That was a fantastic fight. Those two guys were just, they, they had no respect for the human body. They had no respect for the human skull. They had no respect for how the, the chin connects to the ear, connects to the skull. They had no respect whatsoever for, I mean, Venato throwing some of that spin stuff, catching a kick and then throwing a spin. I mean, that, that, that was just something special. And David just didn't care whatsoever. Was just kept coming forward and forward. Paused when he had to. You know, would regroup and then just boom, 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 start coming back out again. I mean, that was just a fantastic fight. Those two guys put on an amazing show. And you know, if, if anyone that wants to scroll down my timeline, uh, either on Facebook, uh, even heck, my LinkedIn, uh, or at the same time on my on my Twitter, I said flat out the decision should read that the winner. There, there's no winner in this fight. We deserve a rematch because the stylistic matchup between these two is magical, and I want to see it again. Yeah, man, Lando Venata is one and two in the UFC, and I'll pay sixty bucks to watch him fight any day, man. Like he is, <laughs> it shouldn't work the way that it works with what he does. Fights like that just shouldn't go to decision. Like somebody should get knocked out one way or the the other. Like this was a joy to watch and a nightmare to score at some points. Venata leaves. Here's the thing: if Venata finds a way to stop making himself so susceptible to knees, I don't think that he he gets as much uh, – I don't think he has as much offense put on him because that's that's a big, big thing. Like it, it seems like he's wide open for knees right to the solar plexus all the time, all the time. But like you throw him on a pay-per-view, that's money. Somehow he's found his way into two co-main events already. Yeah, exactly. In his UFC career. Yeah. Like, that guy, like, how can anybody not like him? And uh, Timur, like, God, it's – it's it was a good performance for him because he was in a good spot too because a few people at least know who uh, Venata is. I thought – I put up a poll yesterday asking if – who would rather – who would people rather see fight Ferguson? Uh, Michael Johnson, Lando Venata, or nobody? And – Nobody in Michael Johnson got more votes than Lando Venata, which I was shocked by. Wow, no way. Interesting. I was I was very shocked by. But I mean, I mean, a lot of people probably just don't know who Lando Venata is yet. But David Teamer, it's it's so funny because I mentioned this earlier with some of the other Europeans. It seemed a couple years ago, the UFC seemed like they were on the outside looking in with a lot of these European talent, and Bellator was getting a lot of them. Now it's the other way around, and it's a completely different crop of European fighters that they're that they're, they've taken. So this was a hell of a performance for Teamer, um, and Venata is just unbelievably fun to watch. Not a lot. See, there's not a lot we can break down about a fight like that. They win, 
They threw crazy shit at each other. They beat the brakes off of each other. Really about the extent of it. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, other than, than Lando, perhaps, you know, keep your hands up. Just keep your hands up. Yes. Uh, so you don't get clocked. But, uh, I mean, I think... Uh, you, see the, you see the Cub Swanson in him. Yes, absolutely. You absolutely do because, I mean, there were situations where I was like, dude, if you just keep your hands up, you're going to absorb a bit more of those punches because you're sitting there, you're not moving your head, uh, you're not, you're, you're, you're in too close, so those punches are going to land. And it's not like David is a horrendous striker. The guy's got a badass striking background behind him. So you got to respect it. But anyways, it, it, it was a fantastic fight. Um, I, I want to get your thoughts, though, on the middleweight belt between Dan Kelly and Rashad Evans uh, <laughs> because there was a fight there that could have went either way as well. It was a split decision. Uh, I think Rashad looked pretty good. Uh, I think he faded. Uh, I think he was biting on his mouthpiece and looking up at the clock a few times, taking deep breaths. Um, not that I, I mean, it's it just Dan Kelly just moves forward. He's got that sneaky inside leg trip, always trying to score it uh, at least two or three times around. Uh, listen, he got the better of Rashad Evans. I think Rashad won the fight. Uh, I understand for those that believe that Dan Kelly won the fight, but Dan Kelly right now is on cloud, cloud nine. This is a guy that was on the Ultimate Fighter Nations, Team Canada versus Australia. Uh, didn't look very good on the show. Looked okay coming out of the coming out of the show. Uh, had a pretty good pretty good record. No real big names. I mean, Chris Camozzi is an okay name, but no real big names like a Rashad Evans on his record. And the next thing you know, takes out Rashad Evans. I don't think he ever dreamed uh, that this would ever happen like this. I had uh, Kelly winning the fight, but I, I could definitely see it for Rashad as well. As Dominic Cruz mentioned, Kelly was able to land that trip really well because their lead legs were, were almost touching at times. So that really facilitates that takedown. I thought Kelly used the wizard with the overhook really well uh, also. Clipped a lot early, which is weird to think, by Dan Kelly. By Dan Kelly. And even when Evans was taken off balance or even taken down, he scrambled well, he recovered well. You know, even though in, in a loss, a contra- maybe a controversial one, I don't think he's looked this good in a long time. This And this was the most entertaining Rashad Evans fight I've seen in years. This was a surefire bore fest, in my opinion. I thought this was going to be a boring fight. Rashad Evans versus a judo player? I had no I expectations. This, this was the one fight I kept saying all week, Sean. I had no expectations I, it's not that I had no expectations. I didn't know what to expect in this fight because the more I analyzed it, the more I looked at it, I kept coming up with, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on here, man. Like, it's just, I don't know Rashad at 185. I, I mean, I saw him at Titan. Uh, he was there coming. He came uh, to watch a couple of his teammates compete at Titan FC. Obviously, he knows Kamaru Usman very well, so I saw him. We talked. Obviously, he looked a lot smaller than the last time I saw him. But I just didn't know what to think. And, and you know, Kamara told me that Rashad looks fantastic. His speed is there and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, then you go up against a, jud- a judoka and they give people fits nine times out of ten. You know, like they're, they're just this just because of their footwork, because of their base, because of their stance, they're difficult fighters to compete against. And I, I just didn't know what to expect in this fight. And I was pleased. I'm not going to lie to you. I was, I was pleasantly surprised with how it turned out. I was actually going to mention that Kelly has like hideous form and stance. But there's a guy who does a podcast with you on Tuesdays. Pretty hideous <laughs> form and stance. And he's made a pretty damn good career off of it. And we're seeing that a lot. Create their own thing that people consider awkward, like Elias running in there and just swatting like that. Well, it doesn't have to look pretty if it works and it sets up something and it lands. 
I, I like that. Unconventional doesn't mean wrong. As I, as I convince my wife to let me turn our formal living room into a home gym, I keep telling her, unconventional doesn't mean it's wrong. It just go means back. it looks a little bit just go back and find yeah different. go back and find the uh Roy Nelson uh I don't know what fight it was but they it, it, it might have been a countdown show I'm not sure but go back and look at Roy Nelson's uh living room as soon as you open the door yeah. it's blue tatamis Faraz Zahabi yeah. we did a feature uh, a half hour special on Faraz Zahabi a long time ago I might actually have uh, a DVD here somewhere or I can find a link but his living room is basically tatami mats as soon as cause as, as his boys are getting older they were rolling in front of the TV. You know, mom and dad would be watching and or would be watching TV and the boys would be rolling. So not unconventional. That's, per what se. I think that, that's what I love about MMA because what looks hideous now doesn't look so hideous after a guy like that wins a fight over a former UFC light heavyweight champion. It's not hideous, it works. It's it's effective. So from and that that's the great thing, because what you're taught isn't necessarily so, because this sport is always evolving. I really like that. Uh, Kelly circled away from Rashad's power hand and was landing that right with, with regularity. I, I, when I, somebody in the chat says, how is it hideous? It's not cookie cutter. Lifting your back foot, throwing strikes is hideous. That's wrong, and Dan, Dan Kelly was doing that. You don't get any power when you do that. The power comes from that back foot when you're throwing that uh, in your hips uh, and your ass, all that stuff, and none of that goes through your body whenever uh, you throw it like that. Towards the end of the fight, Rashad started to use that right straight, which had been there, but Kelly was answering those switched uh, trips and stuff. Man, that was that was, that was a good fight. And Nikita Krylov fan, I, I won't call him by his name. He doesn't deserve to be called by his name. Nikita Krylov's career did not die on the cross for our sins for the fight that we saw in the main event. That's not what he sacrificed his career for, you guys. Uh, this fight was awesome. This Evans-Kelly fight, it was, it was a beautiful tactical battle. Like I said, visually stimulating the way that I would normally think, of, but, but it ended up being. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. The one thing that I found comical on this pay-per-view uh, was Dominic Cruz and yours truly, I'm sure you've done it. Uh, I'm sure, I, I don't know if it just comes out of the, the, the mouths of males, but whenever we see some really good jujitsu or some scrambling from women, we always say dexterity. Their hip yeah. dexterity is fantastic. How de- she, she, it's, and I'm just, I'm thinking, I'm listening to Dominic and I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly what I would have called it. That's what I've called it. I've, I mean, when, when before the karate hot or Michelle Watterson came to the UFC watching some of her Invicta fights, I, I, her dexterity was just unbelievable. Why, why do we say this? And Cynthia Calvillo takes out Amanda Cooper, starts off with an anaconda choke, it somehow gets the back, just beautifully gets the back, and eventually gets the rear naked choke and gets the finish. Uh, I, I do want to have a little caveat, if I can have a little sidebar for a moment. Uh, I'd like to, for those of you that are watching right now, uh, if anyone wants to come up with a, a drinking game, uh, and this is not a slight, it's a joke, uh, to Joe Rogan, but every time he says something is over or this guy got rocked and it's not the truth, we should all take a shot and see if we can make it past the Facebook prelims. Oh, let's be fair. I didn't expect a two and two pro fighter to know to peel the arm either. 
I said Facebook prelims. I'm sorry, UFC Fight Pass prelims. But sorry, you were saying. <laughs> I, I said to be fair to him, and I, I want to talk about his commentary too. But I didn't think that the two and two pro fighter who shouldn't have been in the UFC, much less on the pay per view main card, would know to peel the arm on a real naked choke either. Um, they these two shouldn't have been. Uh, Calvillo, or Calvillo uh, a lot of people don't know she beat Aspen Lad as an amateur. Yeah. yeah. So. I guess you could say that her beating ABC looked as easy as one, two, three. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It was, it was, a, it was a slick I, fight. I feel like I, I feel like somebody else made that joke, but I, it's mine now. Listen, you got to give her respect though, because her striking, yes. Cynthia's striking was damn slick, uh, and, and and she did it effectively. She got the takedown. Uh, it was smooth. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm personally surprised. Uh, Amanda wasn't able to defend that choke efficiently. Uh, but you got to give it credit where credit's due, man. Calvillo did what she needed to do. Um, hopefully, people remember her because she was on a pay-per-view. Uh, I don't think they will because uh, we've seen Lando Venata on three pay-per-views now or two pay-per-views previous to this, and they still didn't want him to fight Tony Ferguson. But, you know, you got to give props for props to do. Cynthia looked fantastic. Yeah, this went as well as the UFC could have hoped. I mean, there there was no better way this could have went. She got a quick win, and at least somebody knows who she is. And there are, I think that you know there are a lot of people that are like, well, she was on the Fox prelims. A lot of people would know her. A lot of people don't even pay attention to those. In my experience, I could be wrong. When those are on, my friends are out like getting chips and dip or some crap like that. Then like, but every second is being watched in that pay per view. It could be different everywhere around, but she is a prospect now. She is somebody that people have to watch. She's 4-0 in the UFC, 5-1 and as an amateur. So, I mean, she's not as inexperienced as one might think. She's had about 10 fights overall. It went great. She, I believe she trains with Team Alpha Male, doesn't she? She does. You, think- sorry, you, you scared me for a moment because you said 4-0 in the UFC, and I'm like, I missed. Oh, no, 4-0. 4-0 yeah. in general. I just had a heart attack. I'm like, did I miss three of her fights? That's no, no, impossible. No. 4-0 <laughs> is a pro. No, she wasn't a pro six and a half months ago, Joe. Correct. Yes. So in six and a half months, this website didn't exist in July. Like July 1, this website didn't exist. July 2, she was still an amateur. When we did our first show, Joe, this woman was an amateur. Unbelievable. Um as far as Cooper goes, for a former boxer, and she was touting that an awful lot, like she had her first boxing match at 11, she was leaving her chin up an awful lot. However, that kind of allowed her to slip some punches a little bit better, but it, it really didn't matter. Uh, she had that beautiful transition put on her, and then that rear naked choke was a matter of time after that. And a great, great finish, great finish. The opening butt of the broadcast, uh, and, and I wrote when I posted the article, uh, or sorry, when I submitted the article, uh, I, I, I tell people all the time, whenever I break down fights, especially by Fun Bets articles, uh, I do a fair amount of analysis on there. Uh, I just take a look at trends. I look at a variety of different things over the years that I've done and just in my experience in mixed martial arts. Everything on paper, I wouldn't say everything, the majority of stuff on paper said Alistair Overeem is going to defeat Mark Hunt. Every so often, blue moon, or every 14th blue moon, I go with a gut instinct. My gut instinct said Mark Hunt is going to win this fight. Uh, and as soon as his shin exploded, I thought to myself, well, there goes that prediction, dummy. Said he, uh, said he broke his leg, by the way. Did he? Okay. Uh, well, then, yeah, well, 
looks like it because it looked pretty nasty. Uh, but I'll say this, uh, or I'll say a few things. Uh, Alistair Overeem was relentless, patient, but relentless, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, I think he was very calculated in what he was doing. He did a fantastic job. I didn't like when he was up against the cage, uh, but he does emerge victorious and a brutal knockout. I mean, anytime I see a body collapse the way it does or shut down and the guy's head goes face first into the mat, uh, it, it is disturbing. Uh, but uh, I'll say this. Um, the amount of social media slash tweets that I received afterwards saying one of two things. The one thing you said at the top of the show was how long till Mark Hunt says Alistair Overeem will get nailed with PEDs. But the amount of people that were not even saying Mark Hunt's going to say it, they're going to. I had tweets coming on my timeline basically saying, and Alistair Overeem test positive for blank, blank, blank in three, two, dot, dot, dot. I mean, is it that bad? Do we really think this is going to happen right now, considering, you know, he's been tested leading up to this fight? I get the feeling he's clean now um, because it was almost like a mental state for him. When, when USADA came in, there, there was like a difference in his fighting style a little bit. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Here's the thing. If you were to measure Overeem's fight IQ through throughout a bout, like if you had like one of those needles that just ran up and down, it would read like a liar's polygraph because it would go steady. One second, and then bam, off the charts, then steady, then off the charts because he'll do things that you're like, okay, that's good. Like he was throwing all those teeps. Uh, he was really keeping the distance very well. Then he would just huddle up, and Mark Hunt has shown that he is more than able to get through that. He can just uppercut you right in between the arms and put you to sleep. What I thought was funny is that fans were booing. Now I get it. The, the act of turning your back and running to reset, a lot of people don't like that visual. But these fans are like, boo! He doesn't want to get his face turned into dust by Mark Hunt. How dare he? How dare he? And Mark Hunt was finding a home for those elbows, too. Ooh, boy. Those, those, those were nice. Like yeah, And that was after the leg injury. Uh, I, I will say, so listen, no, no one likes to see people turn around, turn their back and start running, uh, let alone go for like, a, 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 you know, a, th- a four mile jog. Because uh, some of these guys have done it where they just keep running and running and running. But I remind people at UFC 100, uh, Brock Lesnar was on top of Frank Mir and people were howling uh, in the audience, stand them up. Stand them up, and then Brock just unleashed an absolute beating, and the same people were jumping in the air, screaming, "What an amazing fight!" So, you know, sometimes with some fans, uh, I, I don't think they realize what's happening. Uh, no, this main event that we saw tonight was was a tad annoying. Uh, and, and you, when I say it, it's bad because I give the fighters the biggest benefit <laughs> of the doubt you could possibly imagine. This was a challenging main event to watch, only because fine, I get it in round one. I always get it in round one. But moving forward, you need to adjust. You get yourself in trouble because I mean, does anyone right now really want to see Tyron Woodley fight again or Stephen Thompson fight anytime soon? Despite two guys being fantastic, they're going to be judged by this last fight. 
Yeah, after that main event, Pulp Fiction was not the most overrated piece of shit that I watched this weekend. Uh, it's a little shout out to our commenters. How dare you? A, <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Why did you do that flick? One more. It was, there was too much dialogue for me. I'll save that for a separate podcast review. But um, <laughs> another thing that Overeem did that I liked he put all of his weight in the clinch on Mark Hunt against the cage. That way, even if he got rocked, his weight was still on Mark Hunt. That's something that Alistair Overeem didn't used to do. He'd be way back here with a clinch. He'd get rocked. He'd fall straight back, or he'd collapse down onto himself. If he got rocked with that uppercut, which happened a couple times in that clinch, his weight is still down on Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt is essentially keeping him awake, keeping him upright, uh, to the point because we've seen Overeem with wobbly, wobbly legs before. That was a very underrated aspect of Alistair Overeem's game. That heavyweight division shaping up. Now, here's the thing. It's like, do you want to give Alistair Overeem a Derek Lewis or a Francis Ngannou and risk him knocking one of them off? Because we don't have a heavyweight title fight till June, and it's Dos Santos. So Ngannou and Lewis are going to fight each of them are going to fight at least one more time before getting a title fight. Or do you want to guarantee yourself a new contender in Nganu versus Lewis? Because, I mean, that, that is a UFC on Fox main event. Francis Nganu versus Derek Lewis is a fight that you want people on a Saturday night to flip over to Fox and say, oh, that's the UFC? Damn. Yeah, I concur. I totally concur. That's a, that's a great assessment. I would love to see that fight. Put that one on. Leave Alistair Overeem alone. Put those two guys uh, together because uh, that thing will get ugly. And it will get ugly very, very quick, in my opinion. Uh, those two guys, five rounds, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. It won't go five rounds, but I'm definitely down for that. That'd be, that's a good call, Sean. Good they, call. they did book a couple fights for UFC on Fox next month, too. A yeah. couple good fights. Oh, boy, that middleweight fight. Oh, man. Jacare and Robert Whitaker. You're like, I knew I it. What? I knew as soon as I saw Whitaker's oh, name there, you were going to lose it. Oh, I love that fight. Here's the thing I really like about Whitaker. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Gerald Harris. Gerald Harris used to use that style where he'd keep the one hand up by his jaw and he would protect both sides of it. He'd have the awkward stance and he would keep one hand really low. That way he could go to the body or he could pop it up into their face, but he could also use it to get that underhook in really quickly to prevent the takedown. If you are fighting Jacare, you want to be able to prevent the takedown, and that style, I think, can help. Now, will it stop him? I don't know. But uh, No way. Jacare <laughs> is just a – I should say that. I mean, a fight's a fight. We all know that, but yeah. Jacare is a murderer. Oh, he's fantastic. Oh, man, that, that is a hell of a fight. And Demetrius Johnson, Wilson Hayes, that's a good fight too. And it's going to be built around the fact that Demetrius Johnson's trying to make history defending his title for the 10th straight time. Now, GSP may have been there. He gave up his title. Anderson Silva got there. John Jones probably would have been there. Here's a little interesting fact, though. GSP could break a record this summer or fall for winning his 11th straight UFC championship fight because he won, or I think it's 10 or 11, because he... Uh, yeah, the, the, the record is that Anderson Silva won 11 straight championship fights, but uh, GSP defended his nine times. He won it, and then he won the interim title before that. So uh, winning this would put him ahead in that, which is kind of neat, but 
And that UFC on Fox show, that came together quick. It looked like Nama Yunus was going to headline that card, and there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong, but great additions to that show. Well, I want to get to your, I want to get your thoughts on GSP Bisping, uh, Bisping Eddie Bravo. Uh, for those that haven't seen it, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, just some quick thoughts on the preliminary card here. Obviously, the heavyweight fight, the heavyweight fight between uh, Marcin Tibura and, and Luis Enrique was was up and down. Uh, <laughs> was up and down, and I don't know what this Tabura. Let's just call it the Tabura. I mean, this thing here that he's yeah. doing with his hand or the, with his right hand, uh, we'll call it the Tabura. Uh, whatever, he emerges victorious. TKO, good for him for doing it in the third round, only because you know he, he kept the pressure on, kept doing what he was doing, uh, did a fantastic job. But my God, Darren Elkins, uh, Emerson Bektich. I mean, in that first round, to see what Darren Elkins' face looked like, I don't know if it was in the second round, uh, when when Bektich, it was first or second round, when Bektich was not only landing the right hand, but punching through the skull, not through the skull, the force yeah. of the punch was going through the skull. You could hear the thud in the mat. I mean, that is brutal. And the fact that Elkins... You can forget about Tim Boach and Yushin Okami. We should just call it the Elkins factor right now because what Elkins did to Mursad Bektich, that kind of an underdog, and kudos to Adam Martin, who was our guest, who was my guest on Monday, who was the first person who told me, dude, Elkins is a massively live dog. Yeah. You need to consider that. I put it in the, I, you know, I gave him credit. I put it in the article. This is a real live dog. And watching that fight, I thought to myself, no, nah, he's not. Nope. Nope, nope, until we got to that third round. And my God, did he ever pull off that victory. And that was, that was an, an awesome hour uh, because we had two giant comebacks. Uh, speaking of Tybora, he was really flat-footed. He's gotten in a lot better shape. Enrique just got tired. And um, I said, this fight is why when people say, why didn't they move a heavyweight fight up to the main card? It'll get, it'll get finished in, in quick fashion. These kind of fights are the reason. Also, shame on Dominic Cruz and Joe Rogan for acting like that guillotine was anywhere near being finished. That was a garbage fire guillotine. It was not close to being finished. That's uh, the reason I call it the shot game. Have a shot, boys and girls. Yeah, uh, I will say it seemed like Joe Rogan was kept in check by Dominic Cruz throughout the night. And I like that. I like Dominic Cruz and Joe Rogan throwing stuff out to each other because you know Joe Rogan got checked a lot, but... We got to see these countering views. We got to see the fighter against a guy who's basically a jujitsu. You make an extremely valid point. As a guy that does play-by-play, I generally don't like two other people uh, alongside with me because it makes makes things very difficult for me personally when I've got to get to commercial reads or sponsor reads and stuff like that because then they can get into a banter and I'm kind of like and, you know and then they're, the producers in my ear tell them to stop tell them to stop you can bring it back Joe bring it back because if I've got one person I can just kind of I can do it with two people where I kind of give the the five second wrap up sign like don't stop talking but just kind of wrap up your thought I got to get to something uh, and I think you're right you know with Dominic Cruz there. Joe Rogan was kept in check, uh, and I, I think it was a fantastic idea because uh, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing Joe Rogan by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but Dominic Cruz, man, he knows what he's talking about. He's a great analyst, and he can vocalize it very, very well. First off, we need to say this. Elkin should not have been allowed to fight, not with that tattoo he had on his chest. That thing is the ugliest damn tattoo I've ever seen in my life. Have you seen that? Did you see it? I did. That was hideous. <laughs> How, that... That should be a USADA violation, that tattoo. Um, 
Bekdich kept he like kept letting <laughs> Elkins get into this fight. He was so dominant. And usually, if Elkins can't out wrestle and grind somebody out, he does poorly, and that's a very bad recipe for facing Bekdich. Uh, Elkins, I will say, has gotten a lot better at Team Alpha Male. Like I've noticed the improvement that he's made, and ultimately. What's what the hell is the name of that position? Because it's it's taken over the turtle as my favorite position in MMA, where they're up against the cage, on one knee, on one foot, hands down, not really protecting themselves, and they just get unloaded on. That is that is becoming a spot you're seeing a lot. You're seeing people really capitalize on that. You're seeing people train it a lot more. We saw some great ground and pound tonight. Some really good ground and pound tonight. And this is after Elkins got split open, swollen up, and grinded in the first round. He looked cooked after the first round. Elkins saw an opening. He took advantage, and he made a moment out of tonight. That was a, an unbelievable moment after I was sitting there saying that the fight before that may have been comeback of the year. Yeah. And I this mean, happened. Elkaterra, the first round, dude. Okay. And he comes back and takes the Luke Sanders and <sighs> knee bar. How funny you know, is this? These two fights may have been two of the most dominant fights of the year and the two comebacks of the year with completely different people manning all of those. Yeah, true. Very true. Because Sanders was putting the paint on Alcantara. Sanders, for, the, for you wrestling fans, uh, Becky Lynch of WWE's boyfriend, and he looked really good. He looked awesome. Outside of that illegal knee, which what the hell were you doing, man? And that's how that's how yeah. Mark Goddard <laughs> Mark Goddard. What are you doing? <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, anything else on this uh, for the rest of the card here? We had uh, Goddard take out uh, Spitz by unanimous oh, decision. Jesus. Listen, right now I'm sitting at about 182, 183. <laughs> I could probably put on 30 pounds. It ain't going to be a healthy 30 pounds, but judging by that Godbeer Spitz fight, it doesn't matter. What is more embarrassing? How tired Spitz got or that Godbeer couldn't finish him? Yeah, well, yeah, that's a coin flip right there. Yeah, Godbeer, I guess. That's crazy. I mean, it's, 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 5,000 died in the cage, oh, and he kept fighting. The man died in the cage. He kept fighting. Uh, for the Alcantara fight, um, Alcantara did not respect Luke Sanders' game early on. And Luke Sanders made him pay for it in the, both the first and second round. But you could see in the second round, Alcantara respected a little bit more. But uh, Alcantara, he grabbed that leg and he went for the ankle, not the knee, which is what a lot of people do. And as soon as he got hips down... Sanders knew he was yes, like done. Yep. done. I'd like to fight again this year. Let's get out of here. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Now he's 31 years old. So you got to, he's making a run now and you got to do it, but he knew he wasn't going to go. He doesn't want to go to the hospital and pay whatever copay or deductible or anything that the UFC has set up. So, uh, yeah, this was, this was, I thought, I thought that Luke Sanders still looked good in defeat. There are far worse things than losing to the number 15 guy in the world and dominating him on the way to doing it. 
uh, Tyson Pedro must have been listening to some uh, ludicrous songs because he was dropping bows nonstop, taking out Paul Craig. And, of course, uh, Albert Morales taking out uh, Andre. You can pronounce his last name if you choose, Vice Split Decision. Listen, if you're going to make a hip-hop reference in, in relation to that fight and you got a guy named Craig, you got a reference Friday. Austria. Be a man, Craig. Get up, Craig. <laughs> Get up, Craig. Craig learned a valuable lesson tonight, Joe. What is that? You, you live. You live to fight another day. Good point. It's funny did. because I was, uh, for those that, uh, for, I guess for people that, w- that watch the podcast on a regular basis, my Saturday today was spent from three o'clock onwards at a kid's birthday party turned into, uh, so that it was with my friend's daughter and then she's an adult. She had a birthday party. So it went from a kid's party to an adult party to, I got to get home and watch the show. But <laughs> while we were there, um, we spoke about the movie Friday. So great reference. It's almost coincidental that you mentioned that, but, uh, or ironic. Uh, but yeah, Friday is one of our favorite movies ever. Me and the boys, literally, we were ice fishing at one point and we had a DVD player in, in the cottage on land. And we're like, we're watching Friday, man. We can watch this all night. So yeah. good reference there, son. Good stuff. Well, um, needless to say, Craig hit Pedro with that uppercut, and Pedro looked at him and said, what you going to do with that besides make me mad? And then beat him. Craig was having some real trouble with that cross face early, too. That was, and uh, they had talked about Paul Craig, like, this is a guy they can build around in Scotland and all this stuff, and he didn't seem to care. He was sitting there saying this week, I'm not even a fan of the UFC. I don't like it. I'm on sabbatical. I'm just trying to get enough money to quit my job. Okay, bro. Nice. <laughs> Cool. Um, Thanks. Appreciate that. Here's something interesting. Since the last time Paul Craig fought, there had only been five UFC light heavyweight fights. Talk about a shallow division. Yeah. That's why, that's why you don't hear me screaming, make a 195 and 225 division. Because unlike 165 and 175, there aren't that many people to fill it out. Uh, I wish that there were, but there just aren't at this point. Uh, any thoughts on the Bantamweight fight between them, Morales and Andre? It's fine. It's fine. It's a, it's a split decision. Okay, I, I do want to get your thoughts, though, um, on George St. Pierre, Michael Bisping, because uh, you and I have not spoken regarding the announcement. Bisping, or sorry, GSP is official. He's back. He has taken on Michael Bisping. The press conference, in my opinion, uh, was it Nick Diaz, George St. Pierre, but it was a fantastic press conference. And it, Michael's getting under George's skin. Uh, you can take my word for it. You can not take my word for it, but he's getting under George's skin and George taking shots at him, calling him, obviously saying he's drunk. He's strong with your voice during the stand up. They're they're You know, George is doing this with his fingers or waving his hand over his face saying your breath stinks like booze. Uh, Bisping being late for the press conference. Dana White pissed off. Very oh, yeah. pissed off at Michael Bisping. And then video coming out last night where Bisping uh, and Eddie Bravo Almost got into an altercation. Uh, Eddie or Michael Bisping not happy with Eddie Bravo. They were arguing for like twenty five minutes in a lobby. Yeah, yeah, that's Bis. I've been. What were, they, what were they arguing about? I didn't even see it. Like, there was well, the running joke was it was a, a, a twin towers argument. Oh God! Yeah, so that was, shit, Eddie yeah. Bravo. <laughs> Like, you know, I, I indulge myself. I love watching the Joe Rogan experience. Uh, it's Here and there, it's a good escape from what I'm doing because he doesn't always talk MMA, and I just get to hear people talk about whatever while I'm working. But, man, some of the stuff that Eddie Bravo says is nutty. By the way, 
Your boy GSP is a robot. <laughs> Why would you say that? That trash talk game is whack. But I know what might make him a little more confident. Since he is your boy, he could get one of these beautiful your boy t-shirts from Pro Wrestling Tees. Look at that thing. Do you see that beauty, Joe? I absolutely love it. Damn. Damn. Look at that thing. Also, get Fightful merchandise there. Also, he would be better served to go over to Onnit. He could go to Fightful.com, click that Onnit link. He could get some Alpha Brain. Make sure after he sees those damn aliens and visits them, he takes his T-plus, he's working out, he's got to put on muscle for 185. Then he gets a sleep cycle in order with that new mood. Then after that, he takes that shroom tech to give himself some more energy. I think so two things, two things. Um, <laughs> obviously with George St. Pierre's accent and English being his second language, his trash talk isn't going to be fantastic. I was personally impressed. Yeah. No pun intended with George, with what he was saying, uh, because I know George and I've, I know George outside of the MMA world, the MMA bubble. And, you know, you know, we talk about certain things and I've seen him say, or I've heard him say things that I'm like, man, I wish he would say that on a mic because that's pretty badass. So he made some good attempts in my opinion. Now in regards to those t-shirts, your boy t-shirts, I was approached, uh, about having a shirt or two up on that site. Uh, and I don't know, A, who would want a Showdown Joe shirt? So I said, no, no, we're not putting a Showdown Sh- Joe shirt up there. But is there anything about me that people like, that people want to know, that, that that would they would find funny, that they would buy? If anyone has any ideas, hit us up at, at Fightful MMA. Hit me up at Hair Ash- Gel. Hair Gel. What, what, from eyebrows? Like, what do you have to say? Like, I mean, something, ah. you know, I think someone had mentioned a Holy Smokes t-shirt. I mean, do I say Holy Smokes a lot? I don't know. I've got a few that people pitch to me, but I'm like, ultimately, I can make the damn shirt, but will you buy it? I don't know. I'm sure I'll donate the proceeds to a good cause for all three people who buy it. The the thing about GSP Bisping, GSP doesn't have to say that stuff because that's that's not the GSP we know. But Michael Bisping running in there and saying all that stuff, that is the Michael Bisping we know. People are going to watch GSP no matter what. If he fought me, people are going to watch it. Here I am thinking Michael Bisping wasn't going to do it. I had this conversation with Trigg, with Frank Trigg on Thursday, thinking, you think Michael's going to actually you know, start talking trash with George? And he's yeah, like, he you want to see some pay-per-views sold? Michael Bisping's going to talk. And I said, "That's a, yeah, you're bang on. And lo and behold, he shows up, what, 15 minutes late to the press conference? No, 10 minutes late to the press conference, and then got on that mic and wasted no time. Yeah, he didn't. That was that was very. I thought he. I thought Bisping did fantastic, and GSP is the wholesome. I mean, he's the guy who, in part, left the sport because he wanted to clean it up by leaving and help do that. So I mean, he's he is wholesome, and I. When the the meanest thing he says is "You're drunk, I'm going to kick your butt," I'm like, okay, good old George. Good old George. <laughs> he's a Canadian, man. Don't hold it against us. Like, oh, man. oh he's awesome. You're yeah. not my guy, buddy. You're not my buddy, guy. Oh, God. Here Pretty we go. Much it. Too funny. And with, hey, with Bisping, that works because he says buddy all the time. 
He does actually. Yeah, you're <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Thank God. I, oh God, I hope it happens. Oh, it's, I hope it's it crazy. happens. Uh, anything else that you would like to touch on uh, before we close this UFC two and nine post edition of the Fightful MMA podcast? Who haven't visited Fightful.com before? Go over there and do that. We have MMA, pro wrestling, boxing. We had lead boxing writer Carlos Toro at the Barclays Center tonight covering boxing. We have exclusive news, interviews, backstage news, videos, photos, features, podcasts. Uh, we have actual wrestlers and fighters working for the site from the UFC, UFC Hall of Fame, TNA Wrestling, well, Impact Wrestling now. I've got a big report up on the changes at Impact Wrestling tomorrow. Of course, we're covering WDB Fastlane, doing a post-show podcast. We have everything you could ask for at Fightful.com. And if you don't like MMA or you don't like wrestling or you don't like boxing, you can filter that news by sport, uh, FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulMMA.com. We also have separate Twitter feeds as well. Uh, are you going? To, when do you leave for vacation? Uh, I leave tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern. I'll be on a plane uh, heading south to Mexico. So I have Elias Tuesday, Sean Pearson Wednesday. God help me if there is such a thing. Frank Trigg Thursday. And I'm, I'm assuming I'm taking Monday and Friday off because I ain't interviewing myself. But, um, yeah. And when do you come back? Uh, I come back the, the Sunday the 12th at 2 a.m., uh, which might be a difficult Ooh. 13th, uh, Monday the 13th podcast. Uh, we, will, we will make an assertion when I get back. Hopefully the flight's not delayed. But uh, yeah, it is a one-week family vacation. Uh, and no, uh, I don't care what Frank Trigg tells you, I will not be getting annihilated or hammered with my six-year-old son with me, despite it being an all-you-can-eat-and-drink uh. resort. So yes. I will keep you all abreast of what will happen if I if I do a post show next weekend because I'll actually be out of town for that as well. But all kinds of shows this week. Uh, check out our YouTube page. Subscribe to it. Leave us a thumbs up. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Leave us a nice review on iTunes. I can't tell you how much that helps. If you want to help out the site and maybe can't do it financially by buying a shirt or whatever it may be, uh, go over there and leave us a nice review over on iTunes. And, of course, interact with us on Twitter. Because we want, we want to interact with our, with our readers and our viewers as much as we possibly can. What else you got? That's a wrap. That's it for me, man. I'm just, uh, you know, it's been a wonderful week. Some great stuff, great content, great guests all week. Uh, I think every, I mean, we're getting a lot of love from, from so many different mediums out there. Uh, a lot of people are retweeting our stuff or sending it off, and you can see the numbers. And it's, it's fantastic because I'm, I'm very impressed with just the guests and the knowledge that they bring. And, 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 you know, three of them are my friends uh, on a personal, actually all of them, they're, they're, I'm close with all of them, but it's just every single podcast, something, three or four things come up that are fantastic. I'm like, oh, I never thought of that. Never, never thought of that. But yeah, it's been, uh, it's been pretty humbling. It's been pretty uh, exciting thus far. And I uh, just can't wait. You know, it's funny. I'm going on vacation uh, to get some relaxation, but I'm going to miss it, man. I can't wait to get back and do it all over again. The thing I always tell people is because, you know, we got a lot of people who are like too many podcasts. No, what I wanted to do and what Jimmy Van wanted to do is we wanted to give you coverage from every aspect. Monday after Raw, we have myself and the guy who covers Raw. Nobody is paying more attention than that guy. Tuesday, we have an award winning uh, podcast host uh, with us after SmackDown. 
done acting, done improv, done comedy. So he can break things down from a perspective, like a, a sports entertainment perspective other people can't. Wednesday, we got Jimmy Van, and there is no other wrestling MMA website that will give you the behind the scenes of what's going on like this. We, we tell you what's going on with our site. Thursday, we got Matt Riddle, who has fought and is the hottest thing in indie wrestling. Friday, we got Shane Helms, who has uh, found success in WCW, WWE. Now he's working backstage for Impact Wrestling. Over on the MMA side, we got Showdown Joe, who was nominated. He claims he's not a journalist, but was nominated for Best Journalist of the Year by the World MMA Awards at one point. Not only that, we have guys like Robin Black and Adam Martin who can break things down from a statistical uh, analysis or a just a physical analysis. Elias Theodoru, who's finding success in the UFC right now. Sean Pearson, who on a three-fight winning streak said, see ya, don't care, I'm not coming back, do whatever you want. And that really shines through in his podcast, let me tell you. Uh, and then a UFC Hall of Famer in Frank Trigg. We wanted to give you like different aspects, not just journalist aspect, not just fan aspect, all aspects. So I think we do that pretty well. I think you're absolutely right. I love it. I love it. Now, uh, we're going to wrap this up, ladies and gentlemen. We do thank everyone for tuning in uh, live. We always appreciate it. We love doing the post-event podcasts. Uh, we try to do as many as we can. Um, just it's it's the hot thing to do right after an event because it's fresh we're not waiting till the next day we're not waiting till monday uh let's just do it right off the bat people are like why are you staying up till you know two o'clock eastern listen man we gotta talk about the stuff it's important especially after what happened today with this main event uh and what happened all the stories leading up to it so this is what we do but on behalf of sean russ sean do you have anything else you want to say before we close this off Check out our fast lane coverage tomorrow and Anna Bauer segment that drops tomorrow. It's on the sidebar now. Look at those things. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Make sure you give Sean Ross Sapp a follow on social media at Sean Ross Sapp. Uh, follow the site at Fightful MMA and, of course, yours truly at Showdown Joe. I apologize to everyone. I will be gone next week, but Sean Ross Sapp will be my lovely then replacement. You, you don't need to apologize to a damn person then. <laughs> and don't forget, uh, if you do tune in, uh, throw as many Pulp Fiction lines, references, picks, whatever oh, you can. Put it on Sean Ross Sapp's timeline. You're uh, not and, my and buddy make guy. Sure, make sure you CC at Showdown Joe, yours truly, on social media. I will sincerely appreciate it. Till then, I bid everyone a fond adieu. Ciao for now. And thank you very much for tuning in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.